Hi guys, welcome. My name is Jean-Jacques Barrett. My name is Michelle McDonald. I am one of the co-owners of the gym along with my husband, Jean-Jacques Barrett. We're here to talk about fitness, food, training, macros, all that good stuff. I want to share with you some of my experience, uh, why I'm here, uh, the reason I choose to be in the fitness industry, the reason why I wanted to compete. Uh, some of you might be surprised. The reason why I decided to do my first bodybuilding competition. I love the fitness industry. I've learned a lot. And I just have a real passion for helping people have the best expression of their genetic potential. It's going to be super awesome. I think you guys will, uh, will love it. This podcast is produced and sponsored by Social Fix Media, a digital marketing and production agency for health, fitness, food, and beverage brands. Visit socialfix.com to learn more. So I left off last week mentioning that I started my first fitness competition whilst staging at a restaurant, working about 13 hours a day. Um, not an ideal situation by any means for any kind of body recomposition and certainly not for your first fitness competition. But that's what I did. I always like to joke that I love a challenge and I definitely served myself a solid challenge with that one. I found a online coach, the same coach that my friend had, a wonderful woman in the industry, Kathy Savage. And I'm really lucky that I, that I worked with her team because they're very supportive of women and they're very, very supportive of building a strong foundation in fitness, not just doing well at a competition. And so I would have my programs delivered to me on the internet. So I was already familiar with online coaching, which would end up becoming my own career. And I'd have a simple meal plan given to me. And I remember, you know, getting my first meal plan. And I think it was something like, gosh, I remember, you know, half a cup of dry oats and um, five strawberries and some green peppers, something like that. And maybe some egg whites thrown in there. And I thought, I, I remember looking at that going, God, what the heck am I going to make with that? And so, and this was back in um, 2010, right? So before macros and all that stuff was, was uh, popular and mainstream. And so I, I wrote to my coach and I said, can you just tell me how much protein, carbs, and fat you want me to eat each meal? And I'll just come up with my own, <laughs> my own meals on my own selections for that. Is that okay? And I mean, I was already in shape. So I think for them, it was kind of a no brainer that I could you know, do what I want to. And they just let me know, you know, what the macros were for those meals. And um, that's how I got started with macros. Um, and I got, I got ready for this stage. Um, I would have filet mignon with a little uh, pan sauce, a little uh, port reduction, um, little, little, little butter pan reduction. I would factor in like a croissant. I was already doing back then in my first competition what I do now. And then of course, in, uh, you know, being in a restaurant and uh, food prepping, and it was a very great restaurant, number nine, number nine um, in Boston. Um, we were just, we were running from, gosh, work would start at 11 o'clock in the morning and we would go to one o'clock in the morning. So it was a very, very long shift. There was just no way that I was able to eat my little meals like most fitness people are familiar with those Tupperware meals and that was not going to happen. So I may do with, you know, I'd have a protein bar in my pocket and when I would have to go get something from the freezer, the walk-in freezer, I'd have a bite, you know, and chew on that while I was getting it and then run back to my station or, you know, that's, it was catch as catch can. That's how I survived my first, uh, my first competition. Um, sometimes I would 
wouldn't eat for five hours straight in the in the evening service when I was uh, I was the garde manger. I did the appetizers. I wouldn't eat until one o'clock in the morning. I'd have my last meal, and sometimes I'd be so hungry I would just make do with a dinner roll and some foie gras and uh, course light. <laughs> so I just like could laugh now knowing what I know, um, you know, sleep deprivation. I would go to bed. I would, you know, you get so hyped up from working on the line. I would, I wouldn't even get to sleep till probably 2 a.m. And then the alarm would go off in the morning and I would get up. And while the people that I worked for would get out of bed maybe at 10 o'clock, and uh, they, those guys would always show up with, um, you know, the huge Dunkin' Donuts with sugar, coffees and donuts, right? Sugar and caffeine to get them through the, through the day. I was already at the gym training. Um, and so I just, I just shake my head uh, looking back at that, at that time. But I did get ready for the stage that way. In the last month of prep, um, my stage was done. So I just took that, that month off of work and I devoted myself to food prepping and training and just loving the whole process. Uh, Kathy was, a again, a huge fan of women practicing the walk. She said presentation was everything, and, and her girls were known for their great uh, presentation. On the weekends, I would take my motorbike and drive down to where she would host walking camps, posing camps, and that was a lot of fun. I loved that. My first competition was actually in Canada. So I was living in the States, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to see how far I can go with this because I'm competitive. So I should probably be competing in Canada. Now, knowing what I know, I realize that it's, it's not, it's not as, as, as strict as that. I could have competed, you know, in the States, but I flew to Canada. I flew back up home. My mom, my amazing mother, who's been to almost all my shows since then, she drove to Toronto. She stayed in my hotel room with me. Um, she brought a foreman grill and cooked my asparagus and my uh, chicken <laughs> for me. <laughs> I just, I can clearly picture her back then, you know, standing over that little foreman grill, making my asparagus. It was, uh, you know, really was a lot of bonding for us because we hadn't seen that much of each other in the years that I was living and working in the States. So that was really, really great. And the, my first show was the IDFA, it's a drug-tested natural bodybuilding federation. It's still doing really well today. It was their international competition held every summer in Toronto. And I was in the fitness model category. So in that first year, I tried five, gosh, I think it's five different federations. I wanted to try them all to see which one I liked best. So I tried the NFA. I tried, after that one, I tried the WBFF. And right after that, I tried the OPA. So the WFF, I tried, they had they had two categories, bikini and fitness model. And after that, I tried the OPA. The OPA was bikini and then figure. And I, I knew I was too tiny for figure. So I, I tried bikini, although I knew I also wasn't curvy enough for that. And I, I also tried the uh, Serious About Fitness uh, competition in the fall. And... Uh, another idea, uh, IDFA show, and that's where I met my husband and partner, Jean-Jacques Barrette, at that, that last show of the year, that last IDFA show. This podcast is brought to you by Tulum Strength Club, providing natural athletes and lifestyle clients with the best possible training experience and guidance in the industry. Visit TulumStrengthClub.com today. So my first show was the IDFA in Toronto. It was a fitness model. I think I weighed about 103 pounds. I had this cute little Victoria's Secret bikini. 
about $30 that I wore. I was new to all of it. I had a, a hair style like Fair Fawcett. I was this wonderful orange color uh, with blue eyeshadow. I had no idea how to do fitness modeling posing because what I had learned from uh, Kathy Savage was a fitness pageant kind of posing, much more feminine. And here with IDFA, they had this very strict, it was actually figure posing that you had to do. You had to do the front, side and back figure pose. I had no idea how to spread my lats. So I look back at those photos and I, I love it. I love, I was so happy. I was on stage grinning ear to ear. I felt alive. And I remember that feeling of being alive, having my world set on fire, having my heart racing. I loved that. I thought to myself, and this is how I described it to people who asked me about, about c- competing. I said, I love it. I'm doing this forever. This is amazing. I do not feel like I'm entering my 40s. I feel like a kid again. This is something I can get excited about. So I had a blast. The women backstage were amazing. You know, there are all kinds of stuff happening backstage. I remember I needed this, this, this stuff called bikini bite. It's just horrible stuff. It's like a glue. It's a wet glue that you have to put on your yourself your skin to and attach your bikini to it so that when you're walking around on stage your bikini doesn't move and show something that you don't want to show so um and it's just horrible stuff so somebody had a bottle that they were they said here i have an extra bottle you can use my bikini bite i said oh thank you and i couldn't open the bottle so i went over to the sink thinking oh it's it needs just a little bit of water and i turned the tap and the tap exploded and again, if you know, back in, you know, in those days in 2010, everyone used this Jantana stuff and it streaked. You could not get it wet. You could not sweat in it. It was just, you know, it was really, really rough, rough stuff. And so, of course, it sprayed all over me and I, I my tan was running. Some of the girls that had competed for a while, they rushed over and helped me. You know, they had their own little kits of tanner to fix, you know, boo-boos and that sort of thing. So that was my first experience backstage was just how amazing the other women were. Another girl, she had lost her shoe. She, she was rushing around and had gotten out of a taxi and paid the guy. He drove off and her shoes were in the ba- in the trunk. They were in this bag in the trunk of the taxi. So she didn't have any shoes. So, and another girl said, it's okay. I've got a spare set of shoes. You can use my shoes for the show. And just lots of, of great experiences like that. I still see one of the girls when I go to the, my WBF athlete events now that I'm a WBF pro, um, Marissa Mitten, who I met at my first show back in 2010. I still see her every year to this day when I go do a WBFF show. And I remember looking at her physique and just thinking, wow, she's got so much muscle. How can I ever have that much muscle? Wow. She was a, she was my, my height, but she was in the figure category. So she, she had been given you know, bodybuilding for a little while and had built up some nice muscle. And I was just a scrap of a thing. I had barely really done serious training, maybe a couple months of serious training. And that was in the midst of all this cooking (laughs) and not sleeping and being stressed, which is not a good environment to grow muscle, as you all know, and dieting at the same time. I had just a wonderful time at that show. I was hooked. And obviously I did four more shows after that. And my mom went to every single one of my shows. And I'm very, very lucky. Um, I feel that she's been with me on this fitness journey for a very long time. And of course, you know that she's a big part of my life now. Um, 
probably our most famous athlete. So my mom was with me at all my competitions. Very, very happy about that. Very grateful uh, for that. And we still continue to be together uh, very strongly through fitness. And so I competed in, in four more competitions after that. And my last competition, after my last competition, that's where I met uh, my my husband and current partner, Jean-Jacques Perret, my mother was there with me. We remember seeing him on stage. He was sweating profusely. They had to have a towel guy come up and towel him off. He still sweats on stage. Um, he's just so passionate about bodybuilding. Um, and so just after that last competition, I flew out to the West Coast and uh, attended a uh, advanced yoga teaching seminar. I did that every single year. I went and attended uh, wherever the advanced seminar was. And whilst I was out there, I was asked to go teach in India. And at first I said, no, uh, I'd love to teach in India, but not this year. The reason being that I I had plans already back then to be in Mexico. I, I had been coming to Mexico to Tulum specifically since 2006. I came on a yoga retreat and I came back 13 times that first year. I was in love with Tulum. I knew I needed to figure out a way to live in Tulum. I had no idea how. I, I thought maybe I'll open a yoga studio. I didn't know in the winter of 2011, I had already paid for a rental for a house in Tulum for five months. And I was supposed to write my first cookbook. That was the whole you know, reason for me going to culinary school was to get a professional ed- education in cooking and start writing recipes. And I, I was already very, very passionate about getting my information out there to people on how to eat gourmet food that was healthy. And and that's where my name, Your Healthy Hedonista, actually came from. It had nothing to do with sex, which is uh, what a lot of people think hedonism is about. It's not. It's um, you know, Hedonism actually is a philosophical principle, which comes from the idea that, um, uh, you know, something is validated if it brings you joy, right? So hedonism was actually about joy and and it rose in a time when when things were very, very analytical and um, theoretical and um, the hedonists were like, well, we, we're only going to do something if it doesn't cause us pain. We're going to do something if it brings us joy. And I feel that way even when I'm coaching clients in contest prep now, where if I look at your macros and you're eating chicken and carrots five times a day, I just don't think there's love there. There's no joy. And and I'll, I'll tell you like, well, why don't you have a little bit of chicken with some Thai chili sauce? And why don't we take those carrots and just, you know, blanch them quickly and then saute them in a little bit of butter and chopped garlic. It's going to taste so good. Why can't we do that? Right? Can you do that for me? Um, so the food aspect is huge for me. So I actually, just after meeting Jay, I knew that I had to go to India I had to put my dreams of staying in Mexico in Tulum and renting that place on hold uh, for, for at least a year and head off to India. And if you want to hear more about what happens in my, my journey in India with cooking, you can tune in next week. Looking for contact-free delivery of hard-to-find beverages? Check out BeverageUniverse.com.